Good to see you, Brother Don. I hadn't seen you a couple weeks. Been to call you and hunt you up. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bible, open to Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. I want to encourage you this morning because we are fixing to go from Genesis to Revelation. This is about 25 years worth of studying that I'm fixing to dump on you in 30 minutes, maybe 40. And uh, just I want to encourage you. You can you could build off of this on your own studies. So you're not going to remember this. I've got so much scripture I'm going to give you this morning, and we're going to make so much traveling. I encourage you to write down. Write down some of the things that we talk about. This is going to open up a lot of answers for you in life and maybe some questions. <clears throat> I want to talk to you about heaven this morning. You know, a lot of people have a vague vision of heaven and a vague understanding of it. And, and in Philippians chapter 1, actually I want to talk on this next couple of weeks. But in Philippians chapter 1, starting off, we, we stopped about 19 last week on a start, I believe it's in verse 21, Paul speaking here, and he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, saying that is one thing, but really meaning it, you know, I think there's a lot of believers who struggle with the thought of dying uh, because we don't have a clear vision of heaven. And what heaven is, we've, we've, we've listened over the years to some thoughts. We have, we've watched Hollywood develop their, their picture of what heaven is, you know, floating around. Most of the people that I talk to about heaven, they're like, well, what do you think you're going to do? Is you're going to kind of like be floating around on a cloud, play a harp with a bunch of naked baby angels? I'm like, no, nah, I don't think that's, I, don't, I think God's a little bit more creative than that. And, 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 you know, you see paintings of heaven. I looked at some this week, and, and it's always like this. it's a city, and there's clouds all around it. And then we talk about, you know, you know preaching funerals and stuff. You always hear people go, well, they're in, a, they're in a better place. Or, you know, I'm glad that he or she's up there. I'm like, you know, if, if, if you think that way, I can see where it could kind of be troubling to go, man, I just don't know what to expect. Whereas... You know, the Bible gives us a whole lot of information on on heaven. It's totally opposite of what Hollywood has painted. It's opposite of what a lot of a lot of the things we've heard and been taught, uh, you know, in some years by different ones. And so I'm probably going to say some things this morning. Maybe you ain't never heard and, and you need to make sure that I'm right. So check your Bible and keep me in line, all right? <clears throat> so looking at heaven prior to the fall, I, I'm going to have to go like, cover a lot of information so just stick with me looking at heaven prior to the fall let me i'm going to read this show you where this come from uh verse 21 philippians says for me to live is christ and to die is gain but if i live on in the flesh this will mean more fruit from my labor yet what i shall choose i cannot tell for i am in a hard pressed for i am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. That goes to show you at the moment that you die, you go to be with the Lord if you're a believer. Which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. This is the verse I want you to focus on. Verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come to see you or am absent, I 
may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, if you look at the original language in this right here, it, the actual wording, you know, I looked at some different translations, and I was like, where did they come up with that? And then I looked in, you can, you can look at the original language, I don't know it, you can look it up on, in uh, Strong's Concordance or Vine's Greek, Exhaustive Concordance, and that's where I get my information from, they know it. And so in verse 27, uh, it says, only let your conduct, it means that you live as a citizen of heaven. That word in the Greek is citizen. So it would actually say, only be sure that you live out your life as a citizen of heaven and walk worthy of the gospel. And I got thinking about what, what, what is Paul talking about living as a citizen of heaven? You know, clear that the Bible teaches that the moment that you trust in Christ, he says later in, in chapter 3, verse 20, that we are citizens of heaven. You know, not citizens of floating around in a cloud or, or something like that. So I started studying on heaven because it's something I want to know more about. And so that's where this comes from. So, so here we go. Prior to Genesis chapter 1-1, you know, in Genesis 1-1 it says, in the beginning. In the beginning, go in the beginning of creation. What we live in, the universe we see it, the physical realm. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word heavens there is not talking about the place where God dwells. Heavens is simply talking about the atmospheres. Don't get the two confused. That's where a lot of the problem comes in. <clears throat> but before that, there was only heaven, or, or the Bible calls paradise. That's, the, that's God's home. You know, Jesus referred to it as my father's house in John chapter 14. In my father's house, there are many mansions. It's the place where God resides. That's, that's what we call heaven. It's not the heavens of the cloud, but Paul actually saw heaven. He went to heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 talks about Paul. Did I write that down? Yeah, we'll get that in a second. I don't want to go there. I'll go there and just say, okay. So, so here's what I want you to get started off with. Heaven is not like up there. When you talk about heaven, yeah, I hope I go up there and not down there. Heaven's not up there, hell's not down there. You understand that, okay? What we see in the Bible is a different dimension. A different dimension. You know, I remember a Russian astronaut, one of the first ones that went to space, said, we are in space and we do not see God. Like, because God's not floating around on a cloud in space. Let me add my two cents. You idiot. All right, now that's just... So let's look at what the Bible says. In Acts, you'll remember in Acts chapter 7... Stephen was preaching to the Jews. They hated him, what he was saying. So they gathered up stones, and they were going to stone him. I think we got that, Acts chapter 7. Here we go. So as they was throwing the stones at him, it says, he being full of the Holy Spirit. So what am I going to see when I, when I start to die? He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, notice what he said. I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God as if it opened back. And then you look in, um, what's the next one? You look in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. It's a door to, a, to the dimension of the spiritual realm. And the first voice was like, I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you the things which must take place after that. And then the next verse, it says, and immediately I was in the Spirit. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 4, Paul, 
You read back in the book of Acts, Paul got stoned to death. They drug him off, left him for dead. It says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ, Paul speaking about himself, who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such, a one who was caught up to the third heaven. Some translations, actually the reading there is paradise. It's the same word Jesus used with the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. And so I know such a man, whether anybody, anybody, okay, he was caught up into paradise and he saw things. He said it was so great I can't even put it into words. It's not even lawful for me to speak. And so you have God created the heavens and the earth, the universe. You know, we look, we, we look here's the problem. We try to figure out God from a little tiny pea brain. If you can figure out God and conceive God, then you have an idol because you can't conceive God. You understand that. You'll never come to a place where, when I fully understand God and I know all this stuff, maybe I'll trust in him. Then you're going to die and go to hell because you'll never understand God. Your finite brain can't understand the infinite God. And so if you look at God's point of view, he said, earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. God sees the entire universe as just this little bitty nothing. Little bitty nothing, he just spoke into existence. That's how great God, he, he just thought it, he spoke it into existence in a matter of six days. That's the power of God. Yet we, as little wee people on this floating rock, think that we've got, you know, everything. We're so smart, we've got God figured out. I'm like, God spoke this into existence, and beyond that existence is what we call paradise or the third heaven that Paul's speaking about. Now, here's what happens. In Genesis 1, God created the physical realm. You know, God is spirit, and he lives and he dwells in the spiritual realm. Angels dwell in the spiritual realm. Satan and his angels dwell in the spiritual realm. And God, but God creates a physical realm. He created everything that we see and and things like, you know, waves of power and and electricity and all the stuff you can't see, but everything that involves in in creation, God created in a physical realm. He created man in his image, and he shows a a revelation of his his power and his glory. When you look at creation, you see a slight glimpse of God's glory, God's power. talks about that in Romans chapter 1. And in this time, think about this, at the time before Genesis chapter 3 where Adam fell, The spiritual realm and the physical realm were one. Man walked and talked with God. Adam and Eve could see the kingdom of God. It was one realm. Adam was spiritually alive, had spiritual vision, had spiritual ears to hear. He could hear God just like you hear me right now. It wasn't a man. I got a feeling. I don't know if it was me or if it was the Lord. The Lord walked and talked with them in the garden, in a physical garden, on a physical earth, and they listened and talked to God back and forth just like I'm talking to you. Y'all with me? Good. I hope I tinge some of you like, I'm not sure about that. Then let's bust that Bible out and let's study it, all right? So man sinned. You know, Satan comes along. Man sinned, judgment was pronounced, and I'm not trying to answer all the questions this morning, okay, about, well, what about Satan, where he come from, I'm not trying to answer all that, but we can later if you want to. Man sinned, listened to the lies of the devil, rather than the word that God warned him of, and then judgment was pronounced. You know, God came calling Adam. Adam didn't sin and go looking for God. God came looking for Adam, and, he, and remember the question he asked him, Adam, where are you? 
God knew where he was. He wanted Adam to come to the realization. He wanted Adam to be honest with him. That's what God wants from sinners today. Where are you at? Just be honest with him. This is where I'm at. God's like, okay, I can fix this. And so he comes to Adam and he pronounces the judgment. You know, prior, think about this. Prior to the judgment God pronounced, God gave a warning. That's what his word does. It warns us and he said, of every tree of the garden you can freely eat. There's so many different trees, so good you can have them. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat of that tree. And here's the promise that goes with it. Because in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Adam ate of the tree. Genesis chapter 3, God pronounced the judgment that he had warned of, and Adam spiritually died that day. He lost his spiritual vision, he lost his spiritual hearing, and he was separated from God. He spiritually died, and he lived to be over 900 years old. But that day, God's promise took effect, and he could no longer see the kingdom of God, walk and talk with God in the same way. Everything changed that day because of sin. Y'all with me? Man, y'all are just digging in and listening, ain't it? Here's what happened. You know, when God created Adam, I've told you this before, but God created Adam, and he told Adam he gave him dominion, rule, and reign. Adam was a king over all of creation. I've created this, you have dominion over all. Adam had dominion over the serpent. Remember, Satan came in the form of a serpent, and he beguiled Eve. Adam should have crushed his head. That's what should have happened. Men, you have dominion. Spiritual leadership in your family, when the snake comes along, crush his head. Adam should have done that. We wouldn't be in the situation we would be living in heaven. But instead, he chose to bow down to the serpent, and he forfeited his role as the ruler of the world over into Satan's hands. Satan took, and Adam forfeited what God gave him. There's a whole lot of forfeiting going on today, too. Think about this. At that point in time, according to the scripture, creation became a prison. All of creation, not just man, all of creation was affected by the sin curse. That's why we have thorns and thistles, that's why we work by the sweat of our brow. That's why we go back to the dirt from where we came. All of everything. So everything you look, creation was way different than what we see now. Especially over all these years, the results of the depravity of man and, and, and what happened in the sin curse doesn't look anything like it looked in the time of Adam and Eve. And so it became a prison. All of the physical creation became subject or enslaved under a sin curse to the kingdom of darkness. And so now Satan is establishing his plan, or he thinks he is. You know, you look back in, <clears throat> you can look in uh, on your own time, Ezekiel 28. It's a reference to the king of Tyre, but it's a, re- a reference to Satan. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14, he's referring to Lucifer. Okay, Satan was a created angel. He's not like God. He doesn't know all. He's not all powerful. He's not all knowing. He's not omniscient everywhere. And so he's a created angel. He was the cherub who covered. Think about this. Gosh. I won't go in that real long. I'm probably going to cut this off and pick it up next week. But, but he was like on the Ark of the Covenant. You know the two angels on the Ark of the Covenant? It's a picture of them looking into the throne of God. Satan was one of those cherubs. He was the worship of heaven. 
Talks about in Ezekiel how his, how his wings was covered in, in all the diamonds and burls and the oink stones and all these different. He was beautiful. Okay, think about this. He, he was covered in all these jewels and diamonds. And it said the tabria of his pipes was in his wings. So when, 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 when uh, Satan, when Lucifer prior to his fall, when Satan flew around the throne of God, the glory, the light of God would hit those, those jewels on him and the glory of God would just like off of him. All he was was a reflection of God's glory. He was nothing. And he was the music of heaven. He would fly his pipe with my music and the angels would worship. You know what he did? So let it go to his heart, let it go to his head. And iniquity was found in him. And he said in his heart, in Isaiah chapter 14, I will ascend above the most high God. I will be like the most high God. He wanted the worship. He wanted the worship. And so here, he comes in and he, and he takes Adam's place. What for? Because he desires to be like God. And there's a lot of people today that worship the ruler of this world. He ain't required this morning. All right, let's move on. So here's the, here's the God's honest truth. We're citizens of the kingdom of darkness. At that moment, man became a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. Here's the, here's the truth. You're either in one of two kingdoms. You are in the kingdom of darkness that you're born into because you were born under a sin curse. Every person that's ever been born is born under Adam physically in a sin curse. Or you have been born again into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God. So you're in one or the other. At this moment, if you're a child of God, you go, I've been born again and I'll show you here in a minute. The Bible said that he conveyed us or translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. Amen. And that's why we should live now as citizens of heaven. We're no longer of this world. We don't live how this world lives. We don't live in the rules or the ways of this world. We don't pursue the things of this world because we have a, we have a city. We'll cover this next week, Hebrews. We have, we're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And so in that, think about this. You know, a lot of questions, if people would study, you know, the Bible, they'd get, the, they'd get their answer. Like, so why didn't God immediately destroy and just start over, you know, or, or we ask the question all the time, why do good people suffer, face trouble? If you, you know, if God's good and you're God's people, why would God let his people suffer? Because we're hostages living in a prison, and God loves the hostages, and he wants to set them free. Think about this. Israel just went through... You know, all that they've gone through, and they, all, those people took all the hostages. America had the power and the ability to go over there and smoke them. But if you do that, you're going to kill the hostages. God has the power and ability to smoke the kingdom of darkness, but we're the hostages. And God loves, think about this, God loves you so much. This is going to wake some of you up. God loves sinners so much that he will allow his sons and daughters to suffer to try to set the hostages free, of which we once were. So why would you expect everything to be a bed of roses? I mean, think about this. What if God called you to be a missionary to TDC? I'm not talking about to go out like we do and preach, but to go as an inmate into TDC and go, I'm going to live among the inmates here so that I can preach the gospel to them so that they don't have to die and go to hell. Now, think about this. If that was possible and you did this, that's what Jesus did. He became an inmate in the prison of the devil so that we could be set free. Now, so why is it if we stay here, God allows us to stay here? Because if he immediately judged, whoever's not in the kingdom is gone. 
you might be one of the reasons we're suffering. <laughs> Y'all get that in a minute. <clears throat> we suffer for the world's sake. God's people suffer for the world's sake. But if you went into the prison, how is it that you could say, you know what, I came to this prison as a missionary. Food ain't no good. It's cold outside, I'm cold in here. It's hot outside, I'm hot in here. Ran all this wickedness. If God's good, why am I doing this? Because you're in the prison. Why do you think you're so much junk that you suffer in this world? We're living in the prison of the, of the kingdom of darkness. Now, I realize this is God's creation overall. But at this point, the way God deals with it, because God is a God of justice and truth, in order for the captive to be set free, some of us who have already been set free, we still dwell here and we go through what this world has because it's still under a sin curse. So think about this. God had a plan of redemption. This is where it starts getting really good, all right? God's plan of redemption. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I've got it up here on the screen. So the, so the physical realm and the spiritual realm were divided at that point. No longer the same. Man is spiritually separated from God. Living in the prison of the devil. The devil has rule over him. The Bible calls him the ruler of this world. Prince of the power of the air. Kingdom of darkness. Jesus actually said Satan has a kingdom. If it's divided, how can it stand? So God left a door between the physical realm. I know this is a little deep. Y'all stay with me. And the spiritual realm. That door was the seed and the sacrifice. Genesis 3.15, after God pronounced judgment, he actually pronounced judgment also on the serpent. He's talking to Satan here and he says, I will put hatred, enmity between you and who? The woman. Not the man. Why the woman? Because the woman was going to produce the seed. Between your seed and her capital seed, Jesus, the seed of the woman, born of a virgin, not of the seed of Adam. Y'all with that? God's preaching the gospel to, to Adam right here. I'll make you a promise. My seed, not Adam's seed. Satan, you're going to hate the woman because my seed's going to be in the woman. Notice what he says here. He shall bruise or crush your head. Now it's talking about, the, right? At, and you shall bruise his heel. Talking about the sufferings of Christ on the cross. You get your heel bruised, you overcome it. You get your head crushed, you're done. So get this point. In the Bible, the head is a picture of power, authority, rule, reign, government. So what God is saying here is, my son, I'm going to invade your territory, and I'm going to crush your rule. So the rest of the Bible, think about it, it's not just the redemption of sinners, it's the redemption of everything. So this, is a cool, this is so cool. Here's one thing I just sat, I got it this week. Redemption is not just about, hey, God wants to save you as a sinner so you don't go to hell. Jesus, everything he did was, it really didn't even circle. What we've made is all about us. It revolved around the honor of his father. He was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm for the honor of my father. I'm going to go do this because later it says he offers the whole kingdom back up to the father. He's like, I'm going to go accomplish this for the honor of my father. The ones he loves, follow me. The ones that want to reject, they'll go to be. But I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to crush the kingdom of darkness. And so in that, <clears throat> this door, you know, God sacrificed an animal. Then he clothed Adam and Eve. It's a picture of the sacrifice that Christ had made. In the Old Testament, people looked forward to the cross. Every sacrifice they offered was a picture of the hope of the, of the door to heaven. Offering up the sacrifice, offering up, claiming the promise by faith. We look back to the sacrifice, 
believe in what Christ has done for us, that he is the door to heaven. Y'all with me? Okay. So in time to come, Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, would bridge the spiritual and the physical realm. This is not the average message, I know, but y'all get with it. God would be born a man, invade Satan's territory, and redeem or buy back what was rightfully his. Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Notice what the word he used here, to proclaim liberty to the captives. That means POWs, POWs, your prisoners of war. And the opening of the prison, what prison is he talking about? The opening of the prison to those who are bound. Let's keep going. We can't keep going, okay? It goes on to talk about the day of vengeance of our God, the day of judgment that's coming. And so he's come to set the captive free. Redemption is not just about, like I said, the salvation of sinners, but Christ is going to crush the entire kingdom of darkness, the serpent's rule for the honor of the Father. Now, the ransom that God's law has set, and God doesn't break his law, he doesn't go against the law, in order for one to be set free is the innocent has to die for the guilty. Death. That's the punishment for Adam's sin. So think about this. There had to be somebody in. So every time they offered up a sacrifice, you go, what's all that sacrifice business in the Bible? Every time they would offer up a lamb, it was innocent. Spotless lamb. Spotless, whether it's a bull, a calf, a pigeon, that that animal had no guilt of sin on it whatsoever, innocent. It was a picture of Christ, innocent, the Lamb of God. The guilty, who would be me, would take that lamb and offer it up as a sacrifice for my sins, and I would be forgiven. The innocent died for the guilty. Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial system when he came. God stepped out of heaven, entered into the prison, the world of darkness, the domain, the realm of the devil, was born a man, lived a perfect, sinless life, became the perfect, innocent sacrifice of which would God would place all of the sin of mankind upon Jesus, pour out the hell and wrath on him that we deserve for our sin. He was not attacking us. God was attacking sin. He was attacking the works of the devil. Jesus said, I've come to crush the works of the devil and put an end to that. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God that we would have got because of what Adam has done. And now all of a sudden, he goes into the grave. He buries our sin. Three days later, he rose from the grave in a physical, get this, in a physical body. Don't let nobody tell you it's a spiritual resurrection. Jesus rose in a physical body. And he bridges the gap between heaven and earth again. It's like he said in John chapter 10, I am the door. He became and fulfilled that promise of the door to heaven now. The reason it's important that he is the first, or that he's a physical resurrection, John chapter 20, verse 17, remember Mary Magdalene was at the grave, and she, she went to him, and, and she saw him. He revealed himself to her, and then he said, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. So what happens? Jesus buries your sin in the grave. He rises up. He leaves in hell where they belong. He rises up out of the grave victorious. 
Now all of a sudden, think about this. He is now the second Adam. He just took back what Adam forfeits. He enters, he's the first physical body in the throne room of God the Father. Jesus, at that point in time, Mary Magdalene goes back to the disciples. Jesus ascends into heaven, paradise, the third realm, the dimension where God dwells, into the throne room of God. All that picture of the tabernacle and the temple, Jesus physically, in a physical body, offers up his blood on the altar before God. And God said, I'm satisfied. Satisfied. Sin, no, think about this. This is what I want you to get. Sin was judged right there. Every sin for every person that they ever commit, God or Jesus judged sin in his body right there. God poured out judgment upon sin right there. So when we talk about a day of judgment to come, listen to me. It's not a day where you're going to stand before the Lord and him go, well, you did some bad stuff, you did some good stuff, you made it, you didn't make it. And so many people are concerned about this day of judgment. Listen to me. If you are a born-again child of God, judgment for sin took place on the cross. Your sins are forgiven. You do not face the day of judgment and wrath. You've been delivered out of the prison. The captives have been set free. It actually says in Ephesians that Jesus led captivity captive into the presence of God. The Old Testament saints were in a different place until Jesus offered up his sacrifice. Then he ascended into what is called Abraham's bosom. It's a whole different thing. Got all the Old Testament saints and led them captivity captive. That means a celebration, a parade took place when Jesus led Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, all the Old Testament saints into the presence of the Father said, I bought you, enter into my Father's house, your home. Man, that's good stuff. And so redemption is not final yet. I'm almost done. Stay with me. got about five minutes. <clears throat> redemption isn't final. Here's the thing. Now, now is the time to be saved. The Bible said, today is the day of salvation. You have an opportunity now, no matter what your sin is, no matter what your past is, that you can receive God's mercy and grace because of what Jesus has done for you. It's just a choice. I'm going I'm to stay in the kingdom of darkness today. I'm going to be translated into the kingdom of light. You have to decide you're in one or the other. But here's the fearful thing. Most people are like, God's mad. He's going to look at all the ugly stuff you did, and he's going to send you to hell. Here's what's happening. God, the day of wrath and judgment is a day of wrath and judgment upon the kingdom of Satan. What does that got to do with me? If you're in it, you're part of it. You understand that? God's going to pour out wrath and judgment. Read the book of Revelation. It's the summation of all this story. You get to about chapter 19. Jesus comes back. The battle of Armageddon takes place. After that, what happens? The false prophet, the beast, and are cast into the lake of fire. Satan is bound a thousand years. After that thousand years, there's a reason for that, rises up. God destroys the ones who are following him, takes Satan. He is bound, cast into the lake of fire. Then the, then the final judgment, the great white throne of judgment, Revelation chapter 21, verse 11, I believe it's through about 18. All of those, the dead, were, were raised to life. We say, where are we at during our time? You've already, been, you've already got a new body. You've been resurrected. Okay, we're just waiting for Jesus to finish stomping out the kingdom of darkness. And so in that, um, <clears throat> the last part of that great white throne judgment is the judgment of all of those who reject Christ. If you're here today and go, I reject the gift of, of life to Jesus. If I reject his mercy and grace, I'm going to choose my way, religion, this house, you don't believe all stuff, then you identified you're, you're a prisoner. Listen to me. It don't matter what law you broke. Think about this. No matter what law you broke. Doesn't matter how long you've been there or how short you've been there. If I go out today 
and I drop a bomb on Cofield, everybody in the prison gets the same thing. If you were in there because you was in there for a DWI, if you are in there because you was Adolf Hitler, you got the same thing. When God judges the kingdom of darkness, you had your opportunity to get out. When God judges the kingdom of darkness, everybody gets the same thing. Anybody, it says right there, you check me on Revelation, chapter 21, 11 through whatever the last part of the chapter is. And any man, anyone whose name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, never been born again, was cast into the lake of fire. It doesn't say this person was bad and they did a lot of bad. This person was a little bad and this person was horribly bad. Everybody, so what, what got them in there? Their name's not written in the Lamb's book of life. Doesn't matter if you was a, if you was a drunk, a murderer, a bank robber, a child molester, a rapist. Everybody ends up the same place because you identified with the, with the wrong kingdom. Deceived. <clears throat> so, um, Colossians 1.13, look at this. When, when, remember when John the Baptist said, you avoid the day of wrath to come? God's going to pour out wrath on the, on the serpent and his kingdom. Colossians 1.13 said, he has delivered us. From the power of darkness conveyed us into the kingdom of his son. Notice it didn't say he will. It said he has. It's been done. That's what it means. You are seated in heavenly places. Your position changed. At the moment that you trust Christ, your position changed. You just went from one kingdom to another kingdom. Now you live, you're living in the same body, but you're living by a whole different life. And then it says in, in Philippians 1.27, that's what it means when it says, think about this, only let your conduct be worthy or that you live as a citizen of heaven, worthy of the gospel. How, how do I live worthy of the gospel of Christ? Man, when I realize the truth of God's word that he has already delivered me and that there's a kingdom coming, that I've got a home in heaven, not floating around playing a harp on cloud, but in the kingdom of God, I'm going to show you what that's going to be in just about a minute. All of a sudden, my, the way I live, what the gospel has accomplished for me, I want to give that to you. And I want to give that to every person because the day of judgment and wrath is coming on the kingdom of darkness. Finishing up. <laughs> okay. So, um, and I'm, I'll, I'll pick this up next week so I can get you out of here. <clears throat> let, me, let me get to my notes. The final redemption, we won't go there today, okay. Final redemption, Romans chapter 8, says all creation groans. To see the glory of the sons of God. That means we're going to have a new body. What's going to happen? God's going to raise us up from the dead. Just like he raised Jesus up from the dead. We're going to have the same kind of physical body. Heaven's going to be a physical body. Here's your good hope for heaven in the last three minutes. Physical body. So am I going to know everybody? Yes. Absolutely. And when it's all said and done, I'm walking up and go, Chad, what do you think about that? I'm going to know him. He's going to know me. Just like the, we're going to have a brand new body, perfect knowledge, spiritual in the kingdom of God. It comes back together with the physical kingdom as one. You're not going to be in the clouds. Okay, I do want to read this. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, what does that say? You had to skip through this. A lot of information this morning. So this is, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is talking about the, the resurrection, the rapture, and this is the end. Then when the end comes, when he, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule, all authority, all power. You know what Jesus is doing? He's like, I'm going to put an end to this punk. I'm going to put an end to him and anybody that wants to identify with him and everything that sin has brought about and the last thing is going to be death. I took the kingdom back. 
And he walks up to the Father. This time, you're not even in this picture. It's all about Jesus honoring his Father. And when you follow him, you honor the Father. So I said, if you want to honor the Father, believe on me. Follow me. And as I follow him, Jesus is like, all right, Daddy. I went back there and I handed it to him. Here's the kingdom back. Whew, that's good. Now, what's going to happen after all that, after Revelation 20? I got to read this to you. It's four verses and we're done. Revelation chapter 20, where is heaven? We'll cover this more next week. Just give you a little bite. Okay? Now, you know in 2 Peter it says this world and everything in it is going to burn up. It's going to melt away with fervent heat. Fire purges. Any and everything to do with the sin curse, God's going to destroy this earth that he created, melted away, fervent heat, okay? But then you'll see here in Revelation 21, uh, 2015 says, and anyone not found written in the book of life cast into the lake of fire. That's the end of the kingdom of darkness, okay? Verse 20, chapter 21, verse 1, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Talking about new Where is heaven? Where are you going to live for all eternity? On the new earth. God's simply restoring what he created. He's simply redeeming what Adam forfeited. So what is heaven going to look like? You have a slight glimpse of it now. When you go to Colorado, you walk on the mountains, you go, wow. What do you think heaven's going to be? Going to be mountains? Going to be rivers? Going to be cities? The new city, Jerusalem? That's where people are like, that, that's going to be heaven. That's the capital city of heaven. That's where, and, and here's the thing, who's the citizens? All the Old Testament, all the New Testament saints, citizens of heaven. What do you think? Are you going to be cities? I think we're going to fish. There's going to be rivers. We're definitely going to eat food. When the Bible talks about the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the banquet, all those things we're going to eat, we're going to have physical bodies. We're not going to be floating around looking through a fog going, hey, I, I think that might be Travis out there playing that harp. I'm like, what? Where do we come up with this junk? We watch too much TV. We look at the Bible and go, so you're telling me that there's a chance that God might reward me with 10,000 acres a mountain and rivers so I can trout fish. I don't know if there's going to be hunting. I think there is. That's just my thought. You do you, all right? <laughs> Where I can chase around elk with my boys, with my buddies. Can you imagine that? Think about this. No time. Like I don't, I don't, I, there might be phones. Who knows? I'll call. Hey, Nathan, I got a 50-acre lake over here stocked with 10-pound bass. Come on, let's go. That's what heaven's going to be like. And God said, you've been faithful and little. I'll make you ruler over much. You're going to have authority. You're going to be in government. There's going to be government. You'll rule over cities. So there's going to be people on you. Who are they going to be? The people that didn't do anything with what God gave you. We're not all going to be equal in heaven, despite what you hope. We're not. Not everybody's going to get the same reward. Some of you people who go, I just want want, as long as I get there by the skin of my teeth, don't be surprised when all you got is the skin of your teeth. Whereas other people are going to be given great rewards. Why? Because they served the Lord here in this world. And they were faithful with what God gave them to, and God blessed them and honored them. That's what the rewards are. I know a lot of people go, I don't care nothing about rewards. <laughs> yeah, I'll take them. When you're on five acres and that's all you've got to work with and I've got 10,000, I'm going to be able to fence go, you stay off mine. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> but, but hey, and I'm going to stop right there, but here's what I want to say. You know, they got that book out, Heaven Is For Real. When God created the heavens and earth, amazing. You see, when you get away from all the junk that man's put in here and you get out there to where you say, well, I love nature so much. When you get out to where he's like, man, that's, 
the most beautiful things. Man has never touched the things that God spoke into existence. And think about this. God's been in heaven forever. What does it got to look like? What is that new earth going to look like when God designs it in perfection for people he's made perfect? You will either abide in eternity in one or two places. You will be in the lake of fire. Crazy as that sounds, because you chose that. You chose to go, I choose the devil. I choose the one who wants to keep me in prison. I choose the one who's brought about all my misery. I choose the one who brought about all my sorrow and pain. I choose the one who despises, hates me, wants me to die, who hates my kids, who hates my wife, who hates my husband, who despises anything good, who spits in the face of God and anything to do with God. I'm going to choose him. Instead of going, God loved me enough to die on a cross to open up a door to heaven. I'm running through it, people. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to run through it. If grace is enough, I'll take grace. I don't need to work my way, try to be good enough, or try to convince God I wasn't that bad. I am that bad. And God is that good. If you don't know Jesus, that's what it's all about. That God offers you the opportunity to go, change kingdoms. Change kingdoms today. Jesus loves you. If you'll repent. Listen to me. Last thing right here. I'm going to go in this next week. You've got to forsake one, turn to the other. Repentance means I don't want to be this. I don't want to follow the devil. I don't want to live after his way and his world and all these things. I want, to, I want to chase after Jesus. He'll forgive your sin, save your soul, translate you into the kingdom of light, and then you're on your way. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Have a word, prayer. <coughs> Lord, love you, and I just love your word. Just amazing, God, how much you love us to give us that truth so that we can cling to it and have the hope it promises each and every person. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us that much. God, every time I look at your word, I just go, God, you love us so much. We don't deserve that, God, but I just want, God, I do want to receive it and just walk in it. Glory in your love for us, God. It's not about who we can try to become, but it's who you make us. Power of your word power of your blood to redeem us Lord I pray every person here is in the kingdom of heaven today they trust you thank you God you made it really simple you did all the hard work you made it really simple pray for somebody here that's never repented and trust you've been born again today God right where they stand right now they just humble their heart just be honest with you receive the grace and the mercy you offer and walk out of here totally radically changed and God is your people I pray that heaven would be the reality. Lord, that we would begin to live not for this world, not for the things of this world, what this world can give, but God, we'd let go of that. And God, we'd reach for what heaven's promised. We just love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.